Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I would like to thank Silverline Communications for sponsoring this episode. Silverline Communications, an integrated marketing and PR agency focused on clean and emerging tech, is headquartered in Washington, D.C., with satellite offices in Chicago and Salt Lake City. You'll learn more about Silverline during the podcast. Thank you again to Silverline Communications for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I'm an eternal optimist who doesn't perhaps think about failure very often. And we plan for it, but we don't dwell on it. I think that's what makes a good maverick. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm excited to have Laura Taylor as our guest on the podcast. Laura is the president and founder of Silverline Communications, which she won a bronze award for most innovative agency in the 2017 Stars of PR Awards and the gold award for Clean Tech Agency of the Year in the 2016 Stars of PR Awards. She's a seasoned PR professional with over 25 years of experience in corporate communications, influencer programs, messaging, and media cultivation. Silverline delivers strategic marketing and communications program focused on high-growth B2B companies, and they're also a certified women-owned business. I'm excited because our podcast is about solar and entrepreneurship, and I know that you're really focused on clean energy PR marketing. We are. And congratulations on your 10-year anniversary as the president and founder of the business. That's amazing. And you're a role model to all small business owners, and I'm really appreciative of the opportunity to interview you today. Thank well, you thank for being you. on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I mean, we're really excited to be here and more than happy to talk to you. We had a good pre-chat today, so I <laughs> feel like we're very familiar with each other now at this point, And there's so much to talk about. You and I could talk a blue streak. So. There is. I feel like we could go for two to three hours very easily. So I appreciate your time and it would be helpful. I really think there's a need in the market for PR branding, especially in the clean energy industry, especially in solar and renewables. Can you talk about more of what Silverline Communication does and the services that you provide? Sure, sure. Happy to. A uh, quick snapshot. We have both domain and skills that appeal to clean energy companies. So whether we need content developed or we need journalist relationship to take place and to get started, kindling, if you will, and we know the right influencers to connect them to. We do social listening. There's a lot of communications necessary to make sure that a, a company stays connected or an organization stays connected. There's a lot of places to be found these days. So we help connect organizations to the places they, and the people they want to be found by. So it's essentially what we do in the skills department and the domain department. All of us are passionate about clean energy space, clean tech, however you want to phrase it, but we're all passionate. So all of us um, share common expertise, if you will. I know there's one person on the team that he has a very specific expertise in finance and taxation. So wow, yes. That's unique <laughs> yes. in a PR firm. <laughs> in a PR firm and one that specializes in clean energy. So we yes. have that level. And then there's others that are just digital natives on the team who can mesh what's happening out there in the influencer landscape with their knowledge of what's happening in solar and wind and advanced manufacturing and applied materials. So it's a very dynamic space and we uh, know two days are alike. So it's fun. Definitely. And, and I really appreciate it too, because renewables is a very emerging industry. Things are changing constantly. And from your perspective, you have to adapt to that. There's a huge learning curve for me as well, because things are happening so 
quickly. So that's really exciting to hear what you're doing. And a decade's a pretty amazing accomplishment. What made you become an entrepreneur? How was your path? I know you have over 20 years of experience in PR as well. I think you as well led a clean energy practice mm-hmm. before you started Silverline. It would be great. As I said, most people in the industry are very entrepreneurial and it would be great to get learn about your story and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So 10 years flew by. It was odd. Somebody last year said, oh, aren't we going to be in business for 10 years? I thought, oh, I guess so. You know, it wasn't like I was counting. Yes. Um, I knew that there was that measurement of, and you've probably heard this too, that after two years in business, you've passed this test. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're like, you're going to be viable. You're going to be viable. Yeah, yeah. Most businesses fail. Yeah. I think it's 33% within three years and oh. then 50% with five years. I wonder what the number is at 10 years. And I wonder, and I think for minority owned businesses, minority, it's probably definitely. even worse. It's definitely, yeah. I would think it's amazing because you're a role model to our listeners who we call Mavericks, because to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a maverick. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think a couple of years ago, I had um, there was an instance where wow, we were in the conference room and somebody turned to me and they said, well, what if we just don't win this? Or what, what if we, you know, it was like a failure question. And I had never, ever thought or entertained the fact that we wouldn't win something. I don't operate that way. And I, I think about the what ifs too long. You're just going to sit in a corner. You're never oh, going to get it done. So I feel like Mavericks, entrepreneurs, I mean, we're all cut from the same cloth. We just don't think about the what ifs too long yes. to make them heavy, right? It was an interesting moment when I think that's when I realized, uh, oh, wow, I'm very different from this person next to me. I am very different in this leadership. And that's why this leadership role suits me because I guess maybe I'm an eternal optimist who doesn't perhaps think about failure very often. And we plan for it, but we don't dwell on it. Yes. You know? So I think that's what makes a good maverick. Yeah, definitely. That is huge. I think most successful entrepreneurs and mavericks fail more than the average person. And it takes a longer time for someone to get over the failure who's not as successful. I feel like very successful people are able to learn from that failure and then adjust and adapt. And it was interesting because in the pre-interview, you were mentioning how each day is like very different and you don't know what you're going to expect. And you explained to me the whole salmon up the steps analogy, which is so true because it's just really great point to make is that obviously understanding the risk related to something is important, but it's really coming up with viable sort of solutions. And that's interesting to hear because I think most mavericks or entrepreneurs, failure is just commonplace, but the way they analyze failure is different, I think, than other people do. Yeah, I think oh, entrepreneurs, I think they analyze failure and then we go back and say, okay, I'll do it again in a different way or a better way. And at least I tried. And I think that there's some merit to trying maybe you felt the same way. And we, I feel like you're kind of in the same mindset is that we just share a DNA. I always knew I wasn't going to be like my dad. My dad spent (laughs) 30 years as a telecommunications executive. I mean, I was never, ever going to do that. I, while I understood the corporate environment because of him, it just wasn't something that I aspired to. I thought, wow, that's great. He was a great role model. And then he went on a second career to be an entrepreneur. Interesting. And, oh, wow. And I watched him really love that part of his career journey, that second 
second career. And I think he realized too that he was, that was really where he should have been the whole time. Definitely. And my mom was also a role model in so many ways, you know, working mom in the eighties, doing a lot of advertising and fundraising and that kind of, so always in the workforce and always role modeling. And I had a couple of small business owners in the family too. So you kind of grow up and you watch folks around you and you kind of understand, hey, this this might be my path. My path might be that I'm not going to go and be a doctor and live in Northern Virginia and, you know, (laughs) marry somebody within the same mindset, you know, but we're going to do something different, right? So I always knew that. So when I worked in corporations, when I worked at large agencies, I always knew I was never going to be there for that long. Interesting, because I think the same way as well. And and I think it's great, too, like that you had past experience with family who did something entrepreneurial. I think it's a lot easier to do that when you seen people that you have a very close relationship do that. And it's almost like mentoring a role model in a sense and seeing what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Obviously, your dad worked in a corporate company for telecommunication for a very long time. And then he came up with a second career and in entrepreneurship and found that he was passionate about that. And it's interesting to me because this is actually a great segue, which I really love that you talk about is you're obviously very accomplished entrepreneur, experienced executive. You were talking about how it's very important to be a mentor and to give back. It would be great to really get your perspective on mentorship and why that's important. I know to me, it's a very important thing to help out other entrepreneurs who are earlier in the game, I guess. And I also as well have entrepreneurs who are at the same level or even higher. And I I learned so much by spending time and even just suggestions, advice. So it's interesting as well, because you put a priority. I think there's two actually different things I would love to talk about, mentorship and diversity. Sure. And I think that's something that's very important, I feel like, to be successful and as well in these high growth industries, especially in clean energy, you know, having a diversity of thought because everything is changing so quickly and it's so globalized and there's no real borders or boundaries when you come, everything's global. So it would be great to get your perspective on that. And I know that's a million questions in one, so I know you might have to unpack it. Where do we start? Where do we start? I think mentoring, and one of the questions I had back for you, I think mentoring really is taught. I don't think people come by just, oh, I want to be a mentor. I think there's some role modeling there and there's people, whether they're family or whether they're folks that you've worked with or that somehow somebody has shown me how to be a mentor. And there's many women who have done that for me and many men who have done that for me and with me and have been on this journey with me. So I feel like obligated in a good way to pay it forward because I think about all the time that these people have spent with me because they believed that that I could do this, that, that we could take this journey, that I could create something really unique and differentiated. And there you go. I've arrived at this place where I feel like, okay, it's now my turn and I have to give, I get calls, I get emails. I know you feel, probably have the same, hey, I, I'm so-and-so and or I have a daughter who, you know, you get these little emails from folks that either want to be mentored or it's a son or a daughter or somebody that they're related 
related to and they say, hey, could you talk to me or could you talk to this person? And so that happens all the time. I don't catch everybody 100%, but I try to get to as many people as I can. And and in particular, very interested in women and making sure that women feel supported within the clean energy community and outside of the clean energy community. So as long as you're a woman in business, I'm interested in hearing more about the story and helping figure out how I can move you forward. It's all about forward momentum. So there's that. Who taught you how to be a mentor? So I think it's really actually, you know, my parents, specifically my mother actually is a very giving person is always helping people. And she was always says that's really important. And I found from volunteering, mentorship, giving my time, and it's actually been a bigger gift to me at the end when I see that I could actually make an impact. Part of the reason too, with having the podcast, it's a platform as well to make an impact. Why I'm passionate about renewable energy specifically is making an impact for something that I'm passionate about. So it's just been kind of like, I've grown up with that. And then it's just really been a part of my life and a focus. And there's obviously a lot of people who reach out to me and I try to help as many people as I can. So I think giving is an important part as well as charitable givings as well and other things, missionary work and other things that I've worked on. So Yeah, I mean, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? You know, I mean, these are people that have modeled for us that have helped us. And I mean, in some way we owe it to them, whether it's our mom or whether it's our mentors, we owe it to them to continue the cycle of giving. And yeah, I do. I feel like I get so much back when I do it. It's not about the giving in many ways. It's like, oh, wow, I, my life has been enriched by this, you know. It's <laughs> amazing how much I've learned from giving more than I felt I've received more, mm-hmm. even though I'm not, I'm just focused on the giving. And then it's just amazing to see like a positive impact where people said, oh, yeah, you spent the time and you told me to do this. And then this is what happened from it. So a positive outcome that happened. That's so. true. I feel like half the time I don't remember the things me they told either. me. <laughs> <laughs> I did? I told you to do that? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Did that work out? Yes. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) Right? That's always a good feeling, the feedback. Sometimes I get that years later. Oh, and they remember a specific quote. Oh, and they'll quote. And I said, well, it does sound like me. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, after so many years, people will come back to me and talk about that. So that's amazing. What got you interested, actually, in renewable energy and clean tech? That would be, like, great to understand as well, what got you passionate about it and why is PR and branding important for clean energy companies? Because I feel like the industry is underserved and there's a lot of opportunity from a PR marketing branding and all the different services that you provide add so much value. Can you talk about why you focused on renewable energy, clean energy, and why you think PR and branding and marketing is important? I didn't really seek it out. You know, just kind of, I feel like things just kind of happen. Yes. I was like my dad. I was sitting at my desk at a telecommunications company, (laughs) uh, knowing that I wouldn't be there forever and wondering how the heck I was going to get out of there. And I was approached by a Silicon Valley PR firm, B2B tech PR firm, and they represented just all the mega brands in software and tech and a new frontier for them was clean tech. And they were getting inquiries from the Sand Hill Road folks in Palo Alto and everybody else. (laughs) Oh, hey, what can you do for us? I think Vinod Khosla was involved and all sorts of, you know, inquiries coming in and they realized we want to respond to these inquiries. It was really the ethos of the 
man that owned the, the agency too. It was very aligned yeah. with the way that he saw the world too, right? You know, so if solar and wind and renewable energy, if these inquiries are coming in, this makes sense, not only for the way that we live, but for business. So they needed somebody, they needed many people, but they needed somebody to actually start their practice. And it was a woman in Silicon Valley and then myself, and then there were a couple of other people involved with starting to respond to inquiries from Silicon Valley about the investments they were making in renewables. And I was really serving at that point. I had founded the DC office here, co-founded it with somebody. She was more on the software side, but I was on the renewable side. So I was the listening post for federal legislation and for what was happening on the East Coast and reporting back in and traveling, doing a lot of traveling to California. I felt like an adopted California. But that's essentially how I started, really understanding what was happening in California in the mid-2000s. Arnold was governor. I mean, it was just unbelievable time and industry was really just growing massively. And it was great. I loved it. This is really good, nourishing work for the soul. It's great for the planet. It's great for innovators. I love the business aspect of it. This will be our future. And so just kept with it and kept with it and went to another company, went to another agency after that who poached me to create their practice, their national practice for the same thing. And I think I got to the point where it was like, eh, I don't know. I saw the downturn happen in 2008, 2009. I thought this is a perfect time for a woman-owned small business. I mean, it's just we can undercut everything the big agencies yeah. are doing out there. And being a minority business in a recession is a great thing. It's a great thing. So that's exactly what happened to us. And we uh, won support of two era-funded green grants here in Northern Virginia, one of the largest, fastest-growing counties in Northern Virginia. And then from there, it was off and running. So that's really what got me started was just saying, hey, is somebody willing to do this? Oh, okay, I'll do that. I was in telecommunications. So, but I understood technology. And I think that yes. was the basis. The other piece on the branding piece, you know, why it's necessary right now, you know, what we deal with here and majority of our clients are clients. Well, it's an interesting split. I mean, they're all innovators. They're all tech, but we have a lot of really well-funded high growth tech companies that are with us in the clean energy space and their brands are maturing. They're kind of getting out of maybe a couple of series of funding and they need to mature the brand and their ownership might be shifting and the board expectations are shifting and there's a lot of shifting going on, a yes. lot of evolution, a lot of transformation happening. And, and it does start when you get to a point in an organization, the queries from the board, the queries from stakeholders, et cetera, they move up. Yeah, they, they get a little tougher. And I think there are the types of questions that cause leadership at organizations to say, hey, yeah, maybe our messages need some help. Maybe our visibility needs to be, we're recognizing that there's a little bit more competition. We've been so busy focusing on product development yes. that we need to focus or, or finding funding. We need to focus Definitely. a little bit now on all of these things that we haven't been really paying attention to. And then the other piece of our business too is global companies, nice, solid organizations who've been around for years, but they have this division and the division is the energy division. And there's all these engineers creating renewable energy solutions. And what are these people doing? And all right, how do we make them fit into the rest of the organization, but still be themselves? Sure. And I think that's been an interesting challenge too. So looking at multinationals and how multinationals are investing in renewables and they know it's important, but they also know it's different. So how do we 
work with that internal messaging and external messaging there. That's much different than the high growth organizations. Definitely. That's a huge opportunity. Uh, Corporates are really leading with having 100% renewable energy goals. Obviously, like Google, Amazon, Facebook are probably the big companies that everyone knows and states as well are taking initiatives. And then, you know, obviously they want to communicate and market that. So I think that would be amazing growth there for your business. And you already have a lot of big clean energy clients already. So that's that's interesting. I never even thought about that until yeah. you, you mentioned that. Oh, so wonderful to see them engaging in the Wall Street aspect, the finance aspect. You know, oh gosh, once Google and Apple and Facebook start to show up in the procurement zone with renewables, you know, oh, this, this. Here we are. Here, Here we, we are. are. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. so many small companies that are trying to get involved as well. So I think there's a huge opportunity when you talk about PR. Yeah, they're opening doors. I mean, the, the corporates are opening doors for everybody else. It's great. It's a good time. I still think, you know, it's been 10 years plus for me. It's been 15, maybe more than that, just in the energy space. And I still feel the same way I did when I raised my hand to help out (laughs) Sand Hill Road. You know, it was like, oh, okay. I still feel the news today. We were talking a little bit about the Paris Accord news, that's sad news, right? Or the sea levels news that came out today. There's no turning back. That just makes our clients work just so much more important Important. than even yesterday. And how do we help them? How do we get messages out? How do we talk to state legislatures? If the federal government can't do it, how do the states do it? How do we work within this global economy to keep things churning and not burning? Burning, definitely. So very urgent. It's a very urgent, it's become a very urgent need for what we do. It definitely has. And it's amazing to me how society has shifted to really focus on climate change, specifically the younger generation and how companies, as we mentioned, and states and countries are really taking initiative as well. And obviously the industry is really being the forefront on trying to combat climate change. So that's amazing, the work that you're doing. I mean, regardless of who's in office, it really is a global economy and you can't stop this particular industry. It's a global industry. It's off and running. It's off and running. I mean, there's small hiccups, obviously, Mm -hmm. like tariffs, lobbying groups that have a lot more money than uh, the, the renewable energy industry, but really the economics. And it being economically viable is changing the conversation. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick podcast. I would like to thank Silverline Communications for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Silverline Communications is an integrated marketing and PR agency focused on clean and emerging tech, is headquartered in Washington, D.C., with satellite offices in Chicago and Salt Lake City. What defines them? They're independent, agile, absolutely invested in their clients and their teams. They are storytellers and connectors at heart, grounding programs with insight to achieve real business objectives and shape outcomes that influence market and policies. They use every tool in the communication arsenal to translate complex ideas into breakthrough campaigns that drive stakeholder action. The team that gets it done? Silverline Communications, strategic, smart professionals with unrivaled expertise in energy, policy, and emerging technologies. In short, they know their stuff. They believe in what they do and they believe in what their clients do. And when their clients succeed, the world is a better place. To learn more about Silverline, 
go to TeamSilverline.com. You could reach Silverline at 703-286-5500 or info at TeamSilverline.com. We'll also have this information on the notes of the podcast. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm having a great interview with Laura Taylor, who's the founder and CEO of Silverline Communications. Thank you. We do have a lot of people within the industry who listen, but there are a lot of people who are interested and interested in learning and they have no experience in renewables, but they're interested in in listening to it. Well, you've got yourself on the cover of the podcast. So if you're flipping through, (laughs) as we talked about, you're flipping through, you're going to get that guy. There you go. It's your standout brand and that's good. Yeah, I have to thank my marketing team. So they've done- Lee Wang. Lee Wang, yes. He's the director of marketing, my publicist. So uh, he's the one, he asked for my approval to do that. And I was said, you know, sure, if you think that would make a difference. Because I think nowadays, as we spoke about it in the pre-interview, personal branding is like very important. And people really want to see and listen to the people that they're doing business with. So I think it's a trend that you're going to just continue to see it. I'm even seeing Seeing it on your like LinkedIn platforms and even it's just amazing to see. How that's things... a lot of work though, right? Yes. So that's the bulk of our work is getting entrepreneurs like while proud of their products and proud of their business successes, it's actually prying that clam open and saying, okay, now we want to shape you into an influencer. And you have very interesting things going on at the company, you have very interesting workforce, product, you name it, and leadership, everything, all these challenges, all these great things happening. I mean, why not talk about it? And there's endless amounts of work to be done there. We meet smart people every day, smart leaders every day, but not all of them feel comfortable in the external realm. And and there's so many great people out there who have great stories to tell. So it's, that's our challenge is getting them to tell those stories externally. So... I understand. I think it's a huge opportunity, especially in the clean energy space, which is just going to continue to grow exponentially. I mean, it's amazing to hear the work that you're doing. Thanks. It's We've got a lot more to do. We've got a lot, <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs to push out the door. Yes. And, you know, we've got a lot of talk tracks to work on and challenges ahead. But I think it's a great community. We've been in the community now for a decade as a brand and as a team. Many of us have been working in the community for a long time, too. So as individuals, we're known. So hopefully it's a little bit easier. With a, okay, I know who you are. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, okay, good. You know, here we go. And we have some great internal clients, too, that the heads of like the Lee Wangs, right? The Lee Wangs in the world that we work with that are the Lee to the CEOs like yourself say, okay, come on, you got to do this now and you got to get out of your comfort zone. Definitely. And everyone that I know who worked with Silverline has had a great experience. So, and, and it's interesting because this is the first time that we have met, but already we had a lot of shared values and experience and just like the passion that you have for what you do is, is amazing and how you're trying to come up with creative solutions. So it's great to meet in person. And I appreciate you being part of the podcast. And I also have to thank Ellen Backus as well, because she's the senior vice president at Silverline Communications, who I've known for some time. And then she reached out to us about having you on the podcast. And she said that you would be an amazing interview and it has been an amazing experience. So, Well, thanks. I mean, she's in Chicago and we just expanded to Chicago Chicago, and Salt Lake this year. So... 
we have a lot of expansion happening and hopefully more of it in the future. But that's some big news. I'm, and who doesn't love Chicago? Maybe not in January, but <laughs> Chicago in July. But no, we all love Chicago. I think Salt Lake's a great place. We talked about SPI a little bit. That was my yes. first time in Salt Lake. Man, you too? As well, yes. Yeah. Just a very interesting, beautiful town. And so I can't wait to go back. I think there's lots going on there. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, the weather was perfect. Everyone was nice. It was beautiful there. I didn't really get much time to really enjoy Salt Lake, so I'm hoping to go in another time. But I think the Midwest for renewable energy is one of the next big markets. Utah itself has a lot of solar penetration. Minnesota has been a big market, especially for community solar. Illinois uh, with their REC program. So I think that's very exciting with you opening an office with Silver Line and Ellen being there. And thank you. Ellen again for reaching out to us. So yeah, thanks, Ellen. <laughs> and it would be great too. Um, I know you started the Cleany Awards. Oh gosh. And uh, I think 2019 was the second year of the Cleany Awards. It would be great for the community, our Mavericks, to learn about the community, meaning the Solar Maverick community, to learn about the Cleany Awards. Can you talk about that and what made you start it? I thought it was interesting as well, you know, why you started it in the first place. Well, a couple things there. I have a pen and paper in a drawer next to my bed. And so sometimes when I wake up at night, like all entrepreneurs, like all thinking people, right? <laughs> I have ideas, you know, and you go, oh, gosh. I when they, when they happen, they happen. So yes. yes. So this is what happened. 2 a.m. I wake up. This is probably three, four or five years ago at this point. I can't even remember. And this is the idea. This is the idea. So I write down cleaning awards, go back to sleep. The next morning, I look everything up. I look the URL up. I look to see if the LLC is available, you know, and I thought, I need a business plan. And then we put the business plan together, which will be changing, actually. We'll be likely moving into a different type of status. We are either thinking of B Corp or a, a nonprofit status. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. You know, really started it because as an agency, we have clients that are asking us all the time, well, we have this great product. We should be recognized. I want some recognition for our great product. Yeah, of course you do. And you should, right? So we'd go out and we would look at, oh gosh, we'd look at all sorts of awards programs. There are some in the clean tech industry, but the majority of awards programs were corporate awards or sustainability awards or innovation awards. Yes. Or, there's nothing wrong with any of those, but they really weren't that specific to this community. So we built a program that we felt like this community can really relate to. They're relating to it and they see the results of others in the community. We're growing out the network. It'll be a, a network of innovators. I hope at some point here in the near future, it changes its status. And then it was an amazing second year. It really caught us off guard as to how much I think is 200% growth. And it's actually an entirely separate endeavor. There's actually a, a team that runs that, that is completely separate from anything we do at Silverline. I just happen to own the LLC, but that is actually just something completely different than we do here. So hopefully it's a legacy. I would like to see it just live on and, and really highlight the planet changing innovation that's happening and really become something, a community that, that people, that's a go-to community it's where you can find stories on innovation. It'll be much bigger, much more interesting in the years ahead than it's been fascinating and fantastic up until this point. But I think that the next few years, we're going to see some growth and there will be other people that run it and other people that probably have a lot to say on it. And I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure that you're connected to them. But, the, but that's essentially the Cleaning Awards is making sure that this industry really has its own, own community, its own connections, and then something that can live on. 
Definitely. I mean, I think that that is huge. I mean, recognition and it's unique sort of awards. And I know some people and companies that have won and it's very well deserved. Like they definitely need like it. I think it's it leaves a legacy and the publicity for these entrepreneurs or different individuals or even companies. So I think there's a huge value to that. And and it's all about creating legacy, kind of like what you've been talking about in the beginning about how important giving back is. This just seems like another sort of natural leaving a legacy. Yeah, it's a natural extension. extension I will say yes. the Cleany Awards are open to startups to matured enterprises. So it does cover the awards, covers the whole landscape. Yes. That's what we wanted. We didn't want just talk about diversity and inclusion. We wanted... Diversity and, and inclusion, inclusion yes. in this. And hopefully we've made sure that has happened. I know that the executive director of the program was very specific about the advisory, about the judges, and about really looking at the submissions when they came in. Essentially, that's it. So that's the Cleany Awards. And if it's at thecleanyawards.com, you can go to it. And I think 2020, they're telling me it opens up oh, on Earth Day. Great. And it goes from Earth Day to Solstice, the submission yes. season. Oh, so. that's great. That's pretty creative. So there you go. Yeah. And I hope at some point that I'll just be able to sail off and there you go. That's a legacy. <laughs> yes. Well, that's amazing legacy that you're leaving with the Cleany Awards and obviously you're still involved in a certain aspect of it. It would be great. I know you focus on high growth tech companies. Clean energy is one of the verticals that you focus on. It would be great if you could briefly talk about maybe the other sectors that you're focused on. And I feel like Everything's merging anyway, in certain senses as well within the tech community. Yes, it is. I mean, we have an investment group that we work with that actually came to us and said, well, you know, we're, we do traditional energy and clean tech investing, but we're really seeing intersections at cyber. There's one that was even like, well, there's water tech, but there's all these intersections now. Well, do you know cyber? Yeah, we know cyber. So we have had for oh years at this point a very active cyber program and cyber practice. And so that gets more popular as folks think about the utilities, especially think about, well, how am I going to protect my asset, especially after 9-11 and everything that happened there, the infrastructure considerations around protecting infrastructure became even more apparent that we've got to figure this out. And it's been almost 20 years and there's progress been made, but I think on the cybersecurity front, it's really keeping up with, and it's so rapid, pace is so rapid in cybersecurity in terms of the bad guys and the good guys kind of at this, this wrestling, this, you know, <laughs> So yeah, so there's an intersection point there with what we do with on the security side and that's fast-paced work. There is always something here in Washington to work on, whether it's energy or cyber or emerging tech. If you're a platform, software platform company, you name it. We just talked to a platform company that does accounting software, but they want to target a certain audience that, that we know. Well, great. We can do that too. I mean, technology is technology. It's software, hardware. As long as you've got the mindset, you can pretty much, the, there's not going to be a huge learning curve on it. So yeah, if you have a platform, if you're in the security <laughs> space, you do clean energy work, if you're a yes. technologist in general, happy to take a look at the product and configure solutions for comms. But that's us in a nutshell, just tech geeks, I think. Definitely. Maybe don't look like tech geeks <laughs> you, to the traditional I, I, meaning. You no, know? I don't think the team looks like. You would never guess that it was tech geeks and I've gotten to meet the other people of the team. And I think too, it's also, you're able to add a lot more value because you're in the tech space. You are a tech 
geek and you're bringing uh, lessons learned and experiences from those other industries to a new industry as well with clean energy, which is very tech focused. So I think you could add a lot of value and perspective that maybe a lot of other agencies can. And with the list of clients as well that you have, I think you could add a lot that you do add a lot of value Thanks. in the industry. So we do a lot of work in applied materials. We've done semiconductor films, coatings, nano goop, as I call it, you know, you name it, right? <laughs> and in 10th grade, picture this in 10th grade, <laughs> growing up in upstate New York, I was at a Catholic all girls school. And I, as a nonconformist, it probably wasn't a good place for me. But uh, so I have a lot of good stories from it. But I had this sister, Sister Mary Edward, Word. And Sister Mary Edward was my 10th grade chemistry teacher. And God bless, I don't know how I actually exited that class. I mean, I got a D in it, right? And um, she was, because she pitied me, I think. But there's all sorts of shenanigans around test time. And we were, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh my gosh, you know, and I think sister always gave me the test that was like the easiest or something. She made one just for Laura Taylor. I don't know. So <laughs> flash forward, we're at manufacturing companies. We're in all these environments That's... where we're like being told the size of a nano crystal, or all of a sudden we've got to understand the composition of graphene, how does silicon carbide work? What about gallium nitride? <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, sister would be so amazed. She'd be so proud today. Oh, yes. So proud, you know, <laughs> so proud. And I went to find her and she had passed away oh. just a few years ago, which was kind of a bummer. But I found a test when I was cleaning out my mom's garage just recently. I found in a stack of papers from high school, a test from the chemistry, Sister Mary Edwards chemistry class. And so I have it somewhere and I'm going to frame it and put it up in my office oh, because awesome. <laughs> it's a good like, hey, you can do this. You know, don't worry about it. She gave me a D. I got through the class, <laughs> yes. but I never pictured myself in an advanced manufacturing environment talking through chemicals with chemical engineers. And here you go. So you never say never. And that's there's always an interesting like. thing. Yes. You know, there's always a little twist somewhere. And that's what we've learned on the adventure. So she's looking down on us, especially, you know, <laughs> going, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. Did you ever have a story like that where you thought, oh, I'm never going to get through English or I'm never going to get through history or something. And then you're reciting the Gettysburg Address like it, 10 years later. It's pretty <laughs> amazing. I've had the same experience. So yeah, yeah it, it definitely like when I look back, it's pretty amazing and surreal moments like all these years later and you remember it like it was yesterday yes yes i i remember even where i sat in the class i was mortified you know. <laughs> the, el the elemental table or you know oh, the I mean, elemental yeah. table oh, yes yeah, it was horrible yeah oh, i don't know any of that you know? <laughs> i know gold silver you know that's about it iron plus two fe plus two. I, I could start oh, going you on could. yes Ooh, iron yes aluminum plus three al plus three i could start going into because i would just sit there and start just trying to absorb it. So yeah, cobalt, CO with the little O plus. Two. Anyway. And now we know that, could, yeah. yeah. Now so we're like, now you're like, yes. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> yeah cool. This has been an amazing interview, Laura. I appreciate Thanks. your time on the podcast. Thank if people you. wanted to learn more about Silverline and get in contact with you, what's the best way? Oh, the best way. So here's the thing. We're always looking for really good people to work here. So <laughs> work with us at Team Silverline is the best way. If you want to work here, that's the best way. If you just want to check us out, 
teamsilverline.com is our website. And then I would say, if you want to drop me a line, I'm Laura, L-A-U-R-A at teamsilverline.com. So there's three ways. We're also on Twitter at silverlinecoms. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. I mean, you name it, we're on LinkedIn, all Silverline comms and Silverline communications. So you can find us out there. Definitely. And it'll be on the notes of the podcast. And I saw you're actually very active on Twitter. So I was before the interview, you know, looking at the different posts that you had. So yeah, it's definitely been an amazing interview, Laura. Thank, thank you, you for your time. And uh, thank you. Oh, anytime. I mean, this has been an amazing interview and I think you're bringing a great perspective and adding a lot of value to the industry. And it's amazing too, to hear about your journey and congratulations on more than 10 years. It's definitely, from my interactions, amazing your passion and your creativity and intelligence. And as a woman entrepreneur as well, you're really creating a legacy and overcoming barriers. And so it's just an amazing story. So thank Thank you. you. Every day we're salmon upstream. Yeah, upstream. I focus every day on the present. So thank you again, Laura. Go Mavericks. Go Mavericks. Yes. (laughs) Take care. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown. 